0: Private nation,
1: purple and gold family. family, stand to your feet, put your crossbones up, and lean side to side, yeah, and lean side to side, yeah, and lean side to side, come on, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: welcome to the island, man, it's crazy in here, a whole sea of purple and gold, the
2: podcast, I'm Kyle Barber, along with Dave Bruceman, Bubba Rugga Bomb, and our special guest for the night, Chris Haymeyer.
1: Hey guys, how are you? Thanks for having me on again. Good to see you. Good to have you back, Chris.
3: Yeah, we started. You started a little bit early there. Um, No, there
2: was no, there was no overlay on the screen. It was just us four sitting on the screen. No, there was an overlay. I don't mind.
0: Welcome into. Oh well, we are live now. Uh, The the, (laughs) the overlay was on the screen on my end. I was like, what in (laughs) the world,
2: Chris? Did you get overlay?
1: I got a little bit of overlay. I, did. I, I, I got
2: no overlay, guys. Okay. I, I apologize. So, sorry for all the <laughs> listeners for the impromptu open. I thought David <laughs> lost his mind and wasn't going to open the daggum show.
0: That's what you call taking the bull by the horns.
2: Well, I wasn't going to sit here and let it die. But uh, I don't know why I didn't get an overlay. There you go. That's what happens when you broadcast live. No doubt
3: about it. Great to have a great friend back with us. The Campbell Play-By-Play voice. Chris Haymeyer. Chris, man, welcome in. And a big game tomorrow night at Greenville. At Williams Arena at Medici's Coliseum.
1: Yeah, you know it's it's great when this thing goes. I'm I'm sure you guys remembered it. That this used to be a a, a home and home series. Um, every other year they would play either in Bowie's Creek, uh, especially when we got Gore Arena here, and then ECU. And then you know how it is. Different coaches come in from from different areas, and they don't realize how it's a it's a pretty neat little basketball rivalry that goes back and forth. So it'll be fun. Um, going up and, and, and playing the Pirates again, always a always big game for Campbell when we're playing the Purple and Gold to VCU.
3: Yeah, I remember going, to, uh, there was a few of us, uh, my friends are graduates, we went to Crown Coliseum uh, many years ago, probably about 20 years ago, and I thought that was cool to have, uh, that's a great venue. Um, by the way, Kyle, I, will, I want to see the Alabama show coming up a week from Sunday there. I'm a huge Alabama fan. But... Yeah,
2: I saw them in Raleigh at, at PNC last October. <laughs> they're they're, they're still really good love. <laughs> anyway, a little
3: sidebar there for you. But uh, as far as Crown Coliseum, you know, Williams Arena, uh, we were talking about the home and home. I really like uh, Campbell. I think it's a great university, not because your are own. I, I really like it and in basketball. And then we've had football and basketball. And, of course, my goodness, uh, Coach Hare. you know, baseball is uh, huge with Coach Godwin and Hare, the two great skippers there. Um, so, Campbell, great university. And um, I, I tell you, this is going to be, for the Pirates, it's going to be a tough matchup. Um, they, The last two games haven't gone so well for the Pirates, so we'll see how it uh, play, translates tomorrow night.
1: Yeah, we were we were talking a little bit about it be, be before the show. You know the way that the pirates were rolling a little bit, and and that ODU loss. We were talking about that too. Coming off the tournament, um, it's a, it's really tough. So you can kind of excuse that one away. You know, to, to South Carolina State, that's hard to stomach no matter what uh, your, your situation is. So they're going to have their attention. They're going to be ready to win. And, and Campbell, who is who is four and three on the season, but has some but has some good wins, isn't going to sneak up. Um, on the Pirates. So uh, it, it's not going to be one of those uh, overlooking games for, uh, for for ECU. You mentioned um,
2: playing playing Campbell down at Boys Creek, and uh, you mentioned how it used to be a home and home, and now it's not. Kind of you play it one or the other, et cetera. Um, for people that, that aren't going to make the trip down to Boys Creek tomorrow night, um, what, what is the Big South's uh, arrangement? Is that a, Are you guys with ESPN Plus? You would flow? Where, where can we watch the game?
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, the, the, the game's going to be up at, uh, at, at ECU, um, on Friday. Oh, and well, so, you I don't so, even yeah. know
2: where the hell we're playing. And, uh, and in so, the so yeah, that will be soon. I say it's on the
1: road. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it, it, it's going to be up there on ESPN plus all of our favorite network. So <laughs> we all have subscriptions from that. That's for sure. Uh,
3: no doubt about it, Chris. Uh, what a great uh, time. And, um, uh, This actually, though, is good for, I think, both teams. I really love, like I said, Campbell and East Carolina. And when you're talking about four and three and then uh, the Pirates, uh, this is an opportunity to play a good opponent. It's a rivalry. Uh, You know, again, maybe some of these players don't know about the rivalry, but they should. Maybe the coaching staff doesn't understand about the rivalry. But I I think that uh, it'll um, be a great matchup. I think that one thing that will help – Pirate Nation, we need to get a lot of people there. One eight hundred ECU, ECPirates.com. Get your tickets because you know what else is there to do on a Friday night? Agree? Well, come on, come on out! And I think that is a one factor for me. I would say is that um, that can help the pirates is certainly the if if the pirates get enough fans there that will uh, that could make a difference.
1: Yeah, definitely because you know it, it'll be interesting to see the the, the Friday night aspect of it. There, there's usually a a whole lot of orange um, in, in that arena. So, 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 you're right. Although I will have to correct you a little bit, unless things have changed since I live in the area. You know, what is there to do in Greenville on a Friday night that early? I should say at seven o'clock. So you can start things up. So you can start things up. Then that that's the good thing. The crowd won't be too rowdy there. Not like a night football game, um, as they don't tailgate as much uh, for basketball as they do as they do football but yeah but but usually we bring a whole bunch up from uh from Bowie's creek and and like i say it'll be interesting obviously this is a this is a game that the pirates really can't afford uh with the new coaching staff and the regime to have everybody fall off the wagon if they were to lose another game and you know and campbell's a really good four and three this year at north carolina state they ended up losing by six that was a game where um campbell uh uh, missed eleven free throws, in including some big ones down the stretch. Then Campbell rebounded. And they beat an, an App State team that, that that won at Louisville just the week before. And I know Louisville from the ACC isn't the isn't the Louisville of the past. But then um, Campbell came back and and ended up uh, a couple of days ago beating a Stetson team that had won at Florida State and won at South Florida. Um, so Campbell really of their of their three losses, two of them the one to North Carolina State, the other to South Eastern Louisiana. Missed a lot of free throws down the stretch. If not, you'll be looking at a at a at a Campbell team that's six and one with a couple of really good wins uh, on the season. Instead, they're four and three with some good wins and some good momentum.
3: No doubt about it. Talk about uh, some of the players that we should watch out for. You know, that's one of the things I love about basketball is uh, there, there's always a few guys that are really the stars of the team. What about this particular case with the Camels?
1: Yeah, uh, one thing that's been a hallmark of uh, Campbell head coach Kevin McGeehan that's in his tenth year now, uh, believe it or not, for the last five years have been winning seasons. He's done a really good job, especially in the in the transfer era now, in the transfer portal era of of keeping a good core. Not, not a lot of guys transfer uh, out of this program, and he's got three guys that have been here for four or more years that that make up the core of his team. And and how many other teams in the nation period can say that? Ricky Clemens, who is from Raleigh, and um, everybody thinks that he is a Chris Clemens uh, brother because they came from the same part of North Carolina. He's almost as good of a scorer as Chris Clemens. Of course, Chris Clemens is the is the five nine uh, all everything guy from uh, from Raleigh's Millbrook High School that came down here in Campbell and and ended up being the third leading scorer in NCAA history and had a couple of cup of coffees in the in the NBA and is now playing overseas in China. But Ricky Clemens, a really good story. He came onto this team as a walk-on. Um, and the year after Chris Clemens left was his sophomore year. The team, as you can imagine, was a little bit down. He was doing great in practice as, an, as a defensive stopper. So they put him in a game against Winthrop with a couple of weeks left in the season. And he, and he never got out of the starting lineup. He's now Campbell's leading scorer at 14 points per game. He still is, in my book and a lot of other books, the best defender in the Big South Conference uh, period. And he's a leader of this team um, in his fifth year as he's taken a COVID year. Jesus Carolero is a a 6'8 Spaniard um, who can do just about everything, averaging 10 points per game. Um, He averaged in the top 20 in the Big South last year in in rebounds, assists, scoring, and and field goal percentage. And then Josh Lusane, he's a big guy down low. He's averaging over 10 points per game as well. Um, The thing that's been fun about this uh, Campbell basketball team is they have depth this year. They got eight new guys in including four transfers they all play and they all really contribute Jay Powell is somebody to is somebody to watch he's a he's a six nine swingman long as anything and he's uh, he's a transfer out of Jacksonville State um, that's really that's really a difference maker so it's it's a Campbell team that that has been a little up and down but but seems to be gelling with this new guys and they can really go 910 11 deep which is something they haven't had in a while
2: Chris, you mentioned the transfer you guys coming in, but you also pointed out that you guys don't have a lot of guys enter the portal. What do you contribute that to? What, what's uh, what's Coach doing to get guys to uh, stay happy and stay in Boise Creek? He
1: he sets up a great environment. I mean, he is a he is a players coach. Uh, he, he is a guy that will that will do whatever it whatever it takes to 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 make a team a team um, to, together. Today is there. Is there a hashtag? Is there is there a mantra? He he really takes care of players. He's a family man himself and he surrounds himself with assistants that are that are family guys. And and, and this isn't a program that if you're not performing, will ask you to go into the transfer portal. He's very loyal to to his guys. And and I think it's like everyone that that comes here to Campbell and stay. Uh, Campbell might not be a name, uh, a household name that you recognize, especially if you're, if you're outside of the region, but gosh, once you get to this campus, it's beautiful. It's like a movie set. Once you get to this arena, which is really the best arena in the big South and some of the best facilities in the big South. And, and once you get to this little place, it's two hours from the beach and three hours from the mountains and 45 minutes from downtown Raleigh, you say, you know what, this is a pretty, pretty good little place for a, for a career. And then the bottom line is Campbell is winning. Um, Kevin McGean has brought a consistent winner here to Campbell for the first time in a long time.
2: Do you think going to the Colonial will help you guys with recruiting, or do you think it's going to make a difference? Or
1: No doubt. No doubt. Um, the Big South has been has been great for Campbell. Campbell was a founding member of the Big South back in the 80s. Then they went to the uh, then-TAC, turned into the Atlantic Sun Conference, and then the, the best decision that uh, Campbell has made over the past 10 years was getting back in the Big South. Um, the Atlantic Sun. It was too much travel. It was a it was a big difference in a, in a lot of the public schools. It had a lot of money um, for athletics. And Campbell has really grown in this past decade. Uh, Campbell was an afterthought in, in almost uh, every sport when they were in the Atlantic Sun, and then they were able to rise to the top of, of the Big South Conference. And it's and it's really time, guys. I mean, they have they've outgrown the Big South Conference. Big South Conference has changed a little bit too. The the, the Big South that Campbell came in um, had some really strong schools in it. Uh, but, but by the likes of, of Liberty, of, of VMI, of Coastal Carolina, um, a couple of those teams went on to the FBS, of course, which is good choices for them. But it kind of had this conference pulling up some more athletic programs that were Division II maybe five or ten years ago. So you're you're talking about places that don't really have the facilities or the money to compete. And so it's it's the haves and haves, not the Big South. And, and last year, Campbell won 13 conference championships. Um, the, the most ever in their history. And, and that kind of shows you it's time to go. And, and this fall, um, they've already they've already won three. Make no mistake about it, the CAA is a, is a good move for conference stability. Um, I think the Big South is going to be a, around for a long time, but, but the CAA not only is going to be around for a long time, especially in football, because that was the big thing with Campbell. This year there were just six teams uh, in the Big South conference wow. for football, and a couple of them were – um, just football members, Bryant University from up in Rhode Island, um, uh, Robert Morris, uh, a couple of teams that you don't know uh, w- would be in there in the future. Of course, the CAA, as uh, as our head football coach Mike Minner said it, and he has a way with words, as you guys know, but he called it the SEC of FCS, and I don't think he was exaggerating too much. They put five teams in the in the in the SCS playoffs again for for another year and they're and they're a really really good conference so football first and foremost it's a solid football conference that that's never going to go away and it's expanding the footprint of 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 campbell for football you go all the way up to maine to play but for basketball you go down to the college of charleston you're up through virginia you're in the dc metro area you're in philadelphia you're in the new york metro area you're in boston i think it's going to do a lot not only for athletic recruiting because you're playing Names and universities, you know, and you're expanding your footprint, but it's going to be doing a lot for the university, guys. This is a university that, uh, away from athletics, is on the rise too, and like everybody, wants to expand their their footprint and get some people from the northeast out of the winter and come down here to the south for school. So, so we'll see how it works, Chris. Now, uh, Chris, since you brought up football, um, very quickly before we continue on
0: with a little football talk. Um, si- Going back to the the Chris Clemens Ricky Clemens thing, I uh, just out of curiosity I looked up his bio and I, I believe Ricky Clemens' father, his name is Chris of all of all yeah. things, and, and and then he has a brother named Christian. And I was like, well, I was yeah. like maybe maybe Chris Clemens' real name is Christian.
1: <laughs> yeah, n- n- no doubt, Bubba, and and please, you know, beforehand you ask and and don't think that um, that that you were the only one. There are some articles on the internet by. Uh, by some pretty good people when they talk about Chris Clemens and, and Ricky Clemens and say that they're brothers. So I've had a lot of people saying I looked that up on the internet and I'm like, well, show me that article. I'm like, well, gosh, this is a pretty good writer that does it. So so this year in the in this TV spot chart in the back, one of the things along with hey, this is a preseason All Conference performer, former walk on who's leading this team and this this and that. Not the brother of Chris Clemens is what we've had to put in there because uh, some people that don't do their due <laughs> diligence and don't do like you and ask the broadcaster, um, um, you, you know, if this is true or not, they'll just say it on air. And it's, a, it, it's been a frustrating thing to some of those around Campbell.
0: Now, going back to Coach Minner's team, uh, five and six. Um, But four out of those six losses were by eight points or less, including uh, a 22-14 loss to Jackson State and then also a near miss against a very good Gardner-Webb team, um, a Gardner-Webb team that played three FBS opponents um, and very good FBS opponents in Liberty, Marshall, Coastal Carolina, and nearly beat two of them and were competitive in all three. Uh, so uh, tell us, and give us the Cliff Notes version on the season. Obviously, we saw the Campbells live, but outside of the East Carolina game, um, uh, what was the year like?
1: Yeah, man. I mean, the, I mean, this was a team that was picked to finish second in the Big South and a team that that truly thought that they could, just in their fifth year of scholarship football, um, to go to the FCS playoffs. And the belief was there when Campbell was totally healthy and that was coming off a bye after that East Carolina game, where I don't want to bring it up to you guys, but it was 10-7 Campbell after the first quarter, and that's the picture of the scoreboard that I took, and it's hanging in my office right now. But that's a that's a discussion for next football season. NC Central uh, was one of the surprises in the MEAC, and they ended up having a having a really good year. But they were on a on a roll. They beat that they won at New Hampshire, um, which for those that know FCS football is a perennial top twenty team and was in the top twenty. And Campbell just laid the lumber to them on on October first. It was a it was a Campbell team that ended up winning 48 to 18. Um, And, and, and that was a, and that was a team that thought, my goodness, um, you know, that this is the team we thought they were. They beat a couple of not very good big South teams at home, Charleston Southern and Robert Morris. And then they, they went out and against Dion's team uh, a week before that they were on game day, that they played the top 10 Jackson state team and they played them to within a score. It was a it was a tough game late in that game they got some injuries especially to the offensive line and they came back and blew a second half lead to North Carolina A had a couple of more injuries and then it just went downhill from that they lost a, a close game at Bryant you talked about the close game versus Gardner Webb uh, one score games um, in, in each of those games and instead of wins they were three straight losses and you know Campbell won the last game of the season but but went on to a five and six year. But a lot of promise there. Campbell had an injury to their all-conference quarterback, Haj Malik Williams. Chad Masco was a guy that originally was committed as a sophomore in high school to Florida State. He ended up um, um, taking over for Haj when, uh, when the Campbell quarterback was injured. And boy, he showed flashes of why he was a, a former three-star that, that had a, a lot of FBS offers. Um, Campbell found a good true freshman running back into Corey Rogers, and a good uh, wide receiver in in Chaney Fitzgerald. So the core is there, and their coaching staff is telling us it's going to be a number one, at the very least, top two FCS high school recruiting class for Campbell. So again, Campbell's going to have to step up big time because they're going from the Big South to the CAA, but, but, but the recruiting's there, and we're starting to see, especially at the end of the year, some of those freshmen make an impact.
3: And uh, Chris, as far as uh, one question I had is that with Campbell making the move to CAA, I know that you guys are going to be at the top of the FCS. But any hopes for Camel fans uh, to go to FBS? Because you look at it and you guys are on the move. You're on the rise. Kind of like what Liberty did, James Madison, that uh, James Madison, of course, being in the CAA and moving up. What about you guys? Uh, I'm not talking about right now in the next season or two. I'm just saying, long term, is that something that the universities even talked about?
1: Man, you know, I th- I think we're just trying to, um, you know, that there was such a such a push to get um, um, some stability in the conference, especially football, that 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 right now, all of a sudden, uh, we've had to take a breath and go, okay, we're going to have to uh, uh, get some more money together here from the plane rides to Boston and the plane rides that, like uh, Campbell knows and have already started to say, hey. If we're going to compete in the CAA, if if we're going to if we're going to try to win championships at the rate like we did um, in the Big South, um, we're going to we're in pretty good position right now. But to compete in, in the CAA, we're going to have to raise more money. We're going to have to get uh, get get some facilities upgraded and we're going to have to make the infrastructure for a way um, that we can compete in the CAA. So. That is it is something that, uh, that, that has been talked about a little bit, but right now they know before they can even think of something like that um, that they're going to have to consistently win in football and go to the FCS playoffs. Now, I will say this is a program that in the modern era has just been around for 15 years, and as we've talked about on your show before, uh, has just been a scholarship FCS program um, for five years. So when you look at the overall and how Campbell has been climbing, they're going at a good rate, but I think, you know, the coaching staff included, this will be your number 11 for Mike Minner. Uh, he wants to raise a trophy, and uh, hopefully he can do that in the CAA.
2: Yeah, you guys, you're you talking about going FBS down the road, and I got, yeah, I agree. You're, you're just going to the CAA now. Get your feet wet there before you even think about the next step. But, you know, you, you look at FCS football, and Appalachian moved up to FBS several years ago. JMU just moved up to FBS. Coastal's moved up to FBS. A lot of the top programs in the Carolinas and Virginia in this region are, are gone from the FCS ranks up to FBS. You still have a who's going to the CAA with you guys and, um, you know, uh, Delaware, et cetera, in the CAA, Richmond. But you guys have a chance now, I think, in the Colonial, and you're already doing it in recruiting, uh, to really become the – there's always been a kind of a power in North Carolina or in the Carolinas in general at the FCS level, and, if you guys recruiting at the right you're going and joining the CAA, you guys have a chance to step up and kind of fill those shoes as the the power school, if you will, in the Carolinas at the FCS level.
1: Yeah, and and that's a good point, and that's why it's been it's been so much fun to make this move too. You know, it's not it's not one of those the, those crazy things like like USC. Um, I'm joining the Big Ten as far as geographically go. The the southern schools in the CAA. Um, and that's why the CAA wanted to expand to the South to make some balance. You know, um, it's not a football school, but UNCW is a big rivalry here, but with Elon with CA and T with William and Mary and, 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 and Hampton, it's a pretty darn good little, little football pocket here, here in the South. And, and you guys, football has made such a difference here, here at Campbell. I know, um, we talked a lot about, you know, Campbell before moving into Gore arena in, uh, in basketball, they played in the smallest arena in all of yeah. of Division One um, oh, yeah. um, basketball, and that was just you know, and that and that was just fifteen years ago. You, you you talked about these games between Campbell and ECU. Most of them were down in Fayetteville. That's because for teams to play uh, at Campbell, they they would say, "Hey, we can't play in the smallest uh, uh, arena that looks that looks straight out of Hoosiers." Um, yeah. A Carter Gym, which is still here, and is something that if you ever come by Bowie's Creek or coming by for a baseball game or something like that, you got to go in it because you won't believe it's it's as small as it is. And some of those Hoosiers' gyms were better than it. Um, that that was Campbell 15 years ago when Campbell didn't have a football team and they played in the uh, in the smallest gym in all of in all of Division One basketball. And and that's why it's been such an amazing rise for a decade and a half. Twelve years ago, if we're on any podcast and and someone brings out that Campbell is going to be um, a football school in the CAA, you would have been laughed off of uh, off of yeah. whatever platform platform you were on. So it's been a lot of fun, guys, because I I kind of got here as we said the creek was rising, and the creek is now rising, and it's over its banks, and it's 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 headed up the I ninety five category um, the uh, corridor. So watch out.
3: Chris we used to call that the the Billy Barn back, yep, back there yep. and um in fact our good buddy Shell was talking about I wanted to ask you how was the basketball camp when I was an, a teenager in the 80s that was the Campbell basketball school and uh, for those people that are old enough to know who Bones McKinney is a former Wake uh, yep. Forest head coach he spoke to us uh, there was a lot of uh, ACC basketball players that would come down but it used to be this really big thing is it still the same way i haven't really Stay connected with the the camp over the years.
1: You know, unfortunately, not. It is it is still around, um, but up until COVID, it was the longest running basketball camp in the entire world. And in fact, um, during COVID, we we put together a documentary on it. It hasn't it hasn't been released yet, but um, found out tons of facts. They will claim that. And if you think about it, of course, getting started back in the '50s, and and of course, all of us aren't uh, aren't old enough uh, to to really remember what was going on back there. But 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 back in the '50s, they didn't have basketball camps really of any kind. That was a that was a foreign um, a foreign subject and a foreign idea. And they started this basketball camp. And it's interesting you mention that because you know me being from Missouri um, and not knowing. Um, about the basketball camp but if you talk to anyone that was growing up during the 70s and 80s and had any sort of interest whatsoever in basketball they probably at least one summer came to the what they called the, the Campbell basketball school and what was amazing of it it was back before the different NCAA rules were out there and and everything like that and so during the 70s and 80s as you talked about the best coaches in the ACC the coaches in the ACC came down here and the Camp counselors were the all ACC players. It's, it's amazing that the laundry list of guys, including Michael Jordan, that were down here for a couple days of camps as counselors because in those days you could pay um, these guys to come down, and that's how they got they got money during, during the summer. And it was an amazing, amazing thing. Um, the players that have played in that quote-unquote smallest gym in all of the division one basketball. So we'll, we'll have to have another visit um, when that documentary comes out, because it's, it's really fascinating the history that happened right here um, in Buies Creek, North Carolina, and how it's still known um, throughout the United States and, and throughout the world. If, if you were, you know, a basketball fan or, or hooked into basketball back then, you knew about the Campbell basketball school.
3: No doubt. It's a great thing. And I know Bubba, you had some more where, um, Bubba, Bubba, you had some football questions.
0: No, I, I was transitioning back to hoops and on uh, tomorrow night's game, uh, as I looked over Campbell's information in, in preparation, uh, for not only tonight, but just, some um, what we're going to see tomorrow. Um, and Josh Lusane, his, his efforts stood out to me, what, 29 points against Stetson. And, uh, yeah. um, and prior to that game, you know, he, he didn't have bad numbers, what, seven or eight points a game. But, uh, you know, talk about that 29-point performance. Uh, I think the
1: roster says six, seven, two, forty. 240 yeah yeah Joshua Luain man he is um, he is a a wide body but he's also a, a guy that can take the ball out on the perimeter and shoot the three in and, and Kevin McGeehan, uh, Campbell's head coach's offense it's a it's a hybrid of the Princeton. it's the Princeton don't call it the Princeton. you'll see backdoor cuts tomorrow. but you also see everybody on the floor um, no matter if you're the starting center like like Joshua Lusseain or one of the guards can dribble and shoot the three. And so with that, you know, you have a lot of, of versatility in guys. And Joshua Lusain was a guy that had a fantastic freshman and sophomore year. And then he got banged up. Um, he'd been injured the, the first part of the last two seasons and was kind of falling out of the rotation and never got things going. Uh, healthy Joshua Lusain that they got his first start in a long time um, on Sunday for the injured Jesus Carvalero. Um, boy, he he took the bull by the horns. Uh, he was hitting everything, and, and, and again had that career high in points. So he's a difference maker that has his uh, that has his confidence back, and um and the big key will be keeping him out of foul trouble, um especially against the athletes that'll be on the floor for ECU. Well,
2: Chris, I don't know if we have anything else about basketball that David Bubble want to touch on, but I want to ask you this. Uh, many of our listeners will remember you as the voice of the East Carolina baseball team. Uh, for several years. What is your favorite memory of calling ECU baseball back in the day?
1: Man, I tell you what, it was. um, It was the the atmosphere at 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 Clark Leclaire. I mean, I mean, you guys know it because you lived it or what have you. But you know, where I came from in the Midwest, you know, it's it's all about professional baseball, and and people didn't really uh, pay much attention to to college baseball. That's changed a little bit now, but. But, you know, in the, in the Midwest where I was from in Missouri in college baseball, the first two months of the season, it was pretty darn cold out there. So you couldn't get you couldn't get really excited. But but man, be, being at that stadium and it's not just in the big games, um, it, it, it's the midweek games where 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 you'll fill up that place. And it's the jungle and it's and it's truly a, a college baseball atmosphere that 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 isn't really matched anywhere, anywhere on the East Coast. And and that's what was fun. It, it was fun being um a part of that thing because you know every pitch mattered every inning mattered and and the and the ecu baseball fans are as knowledgeable as any fans in all of in all of college in, in, in all of college baseball it was it was so much fun oh and by the way the awesome trips they were going on. i was a part of uh, of one of those trips out to california campbell played a three-game series with pepperdine and when people ask me, um, "What is one of the coolest places I've ever broadcast?" I will say it was that three-game series because I show up with the with the ECU baseball team and I'm pulling my radio gear and I'm like, "Okay, you know, where where am I going in the press box?" And they're like, "Ah, it doesn't rain here in California, so you'll just be out in the middle of the bleachers there." That would be a nightmare scenario anywhere else. But guys, I'm sitting back and I'm looking and I'm looking off and literally over the center field wall. A couple miles, you see the blue of the of the Pacific Ocean. Um, Campbell ended up winning, or uh, ECU ended up winning the final game of that three game series. But that's something I'll, uh, I'll 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 never forget.
2: That's a pretty cool spot to broadcast a game. So oh my year. gosh, because no of California, doubt. yeah, that's pretty awesome.
3: Uh, no doubt, and that that moment uh, certainly with Pepperdine is a beautiful. That's uh, Malibu, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's Malibu because it's, uh, you, you, you'll you think this is funny too. It's uh California's a different place, guys. As you know, it's got some good things. It's a bad thing. They don't have lights at that field because um, I think Steven Spielberg's uh, mansion was over to the right. Barbara Streisand's <laughs> mansion was to the back. Oprah's mansion was to, to that. Wow. And And because of those big mansions, they didn't want the the, the 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 big lights at night messing up their view i i, I swear to you because i ask them like why does a school like pepperdine that you know has had a pretty good baseball stadium you know why are we playing all these games uh friday and saturday at three o'clock and that was the reason that they gave me so spielberg shut the lights down there in Malibu.
2: really kind of gives them a, a, a does you know uh pepperdine's program isn't what it was here recently several years yeah. ago but kind of makes it difficult for them to host uh, if they if they don't have lights <laughs> yeah. Stadium.
1: yeah yeah no doubt and and that might have changed and that might have changed by now but that was yeah. uh that was something although hey you know i i didn't mind sitting in the middle of a 75 degree weather looking uh looking out at the ocean at three o'clock on a friday that's for sure
3: no we're places to be for sure and no doubt about it. in fact uh the pirates are gonna have a another great season coming up in uh in baseball but we're
2: Talk hard to believe that. it's uh, three months away.
3: It really is, uh, no doubt about it. In fact, uh, Chris, as far as a game tomorrow night, I know that uh, a lot of fans are going to hopefully show up. It's, uh, we were talking about that Friday night. And uh, one of the things that's great is I, I normally take my kids there, uh, great family atmosphere, but you get a chance to see two teams uh, in-state rivals not too far away Um, A lot of history between the two schools. Uh, Why wouldn't you come out and see a game tomorrow night?
1: Yeah, right. Definitely. I mean, I mean, these are two teams that are uh, are going to put on a show. um, Indeed. You know, there's a little bit more sizzle to this again. You know the coaches might know, not know a little bit about the the rivalry, but there's North Carolina kids on both uh, on both of these teams, and and the fans will be there and make it a little bit of an atmosphere. So so hopefully you know the ECU fans are are are, are over what happened midway in the week, and and everybody's remembering that it doesn't matter a whole lot what happens in the non conference part of the season. It's all about getting your team right for conference. So I think I think it's going to be a good game. I would be I would be surprised if it's not.
3: No doubt. And uh how can people hear your work, man? We love your your voice. We appreciate everything you've done for East Carolina and what you're doing for Campbell. How can they hear the games?
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Um, we're on the the varsity network this year, which is which is Learfield's app, which you know you not only can get the Campbell basketball game, you can get the Kentucky and Kansas basketball games as well, um, as well as ECU. So so on the varsity network and 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 gocamels.com.
2: Well, it's the Varsity app. I'll I'll just say that. Uh, East Carolina Switch affiliations, and
3: it is what it is. All right, Chris. Thank you so much, man. We enjoyed it. Thanks for your patience tonight in the green room, and I look forward to seeing you. Hopefully, I'll see you tomorrow night at the game.
1: Hey, definitely. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, as always. Appreciate you coming on.
3: Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Appreciate Chris on with us, as always. Uh, So much fun. In fact, it's going to be a great game tomorrow night. Again, get your tickets, ecupirates.com. You can go there, 1-800-DOW-ECU.
2: I got a promotion idea for the, for the basketball team to do. It's too late to do it tomorrow night, but it's throwing out there if anybody's listening to this. Um, people like the Christmas shop this time of year, and we've got the, the Dowdy Student Store, which I think is now ran by, it's a Barnes & Noble, some big book company that bought the student store now. The university's no longer running it. Either them or UBE, um, if they would have like a, like a big sale, fifty percent off items at the at the Coliseum, um, the night of a basketball game. I think that'd be a good promotional idea right now. Fifty percent off all ECU gear only at the basketball game.
3: Hey, that's a great idea, especially. Hey, Bubba, what are those? Um, do you have a picture of that? Sh- those shirts they had uh, for the Pirates. You remember that? It looked more like the Lakers, but it was a great.
0: It was a great look, and um, I. Read You're just that. talking about the the T-shirt jersey. The yeah. one that they the yeah. one they gave away on opening night? They should sell that at the basketball game. Just one moment. Uh, I believe I still have it.
2: There's That's- lots of different things I think we could do like that that make sense that would get people to come out. I mean, and it might not it might not increase the crowd at all, but I am just thinking off the top of my head, what are people doing this year on a Friday night besides going to a basketball game? First thing that comes to mind is Christmas shopping. And, then, you know, maybe you could combine the two if, if we could get with daddy Sudist or UBE and have like a fifty percent off sale only at the basketball game you probably get some extra people in there. Just some outside the box. i as yep. always trying to find the T-shirt. Just yeah. The
0: yeah, and know, uh, so, was talking about Pirate fans stepping up. And, boy, did uh, you know, Pirate Nation step up in a big way today. Um, tickets going on sale and you know, tables for, for purchase at the ECU baseball banquet. And, you uh, know, it always sells out, but it sold out in one day. Uh, so, and it's generally right around 600 fans um, at the new ECU Student Center. I say new, you know, two or three years old now at least. But, uh, but man, uh, selling out in one day, I, I don't know what time they sold out, but uh, tickets went on sale at, you know, 8 or 9 o'clock this morning, and they put something out there on social media, on Twitter, uh, right around five forty-five, six o'clock, saying that it was sold out.
2: Yeah, great support for the baseball team. Always, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, maybe time to expand the uh, where we have it at, so we can sell more tickets. I don't, I don't know, but uh, great that it's sold out. Better. How uh, have we heard uh, anything on bowl tickets? I, I thought the priority deadline being before the actual ball game was announced was a bit silly. But if uh, we heard anything about how bowl tickets, I don't, I don't know how the hell you you put your priority deadline, how you sell bowl tickets before you know which bowl game you're going to.
0: Yeah, I, I was thinking back and trying to recall if I remembered
2: that being done in the past, and uh I don't. Not, I'm not, it's not, am not, not
0: saying it hasn't
2: been, but I, I didn't recall it. There's a, not a lot of recent memory to go by because last year, you know, the bowl game got announced early, and. uh prior to that, you'd have to all go all the way back to 14. And it's so hard to remember. I, I don't remember it in the past, but maybe it has been done. I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm sure they have their reasons, but I don't get it.
0: Dave, you're on mute.
3: Thank you. I was going to say, I agree with you guys. Uh, Saturday is, I mean, excuse me, Sunday is when we definitely will know. Yeah. Maybe going. Saturday. Maybe Saturday. I, will, I wish it were Saturday, but, I wish it was uh tonight. Man, this, this has been the longest week of my life coming to waiting to uh, find out where we're going. I I would really like to go ahead and know and Well, we have...
2: we'll, know, we'll know in a couple more days. It it'll, it'll be it'll be Saturday, or Sunday and we'll know. It's you know a lot of talk of uh, there was a lot of talk of Boston early on and it looks like that's cooled off a little. Um, more talk of the military ball here recently, a lot of talk of Gasparilla down in Tampa. Uh, some people like Brad McMurphy are saying Myrtle Beach. Um but we're hearing from sources inside the program that Myrtle's really not going to be an option. I hope it is, but I um, it'll be interesting to see if it is Tampa and Gasparilla who will end up playing because I believe that's an ACC tie also, but they're not going to fill it. So I think Conference USA has the backup there, but I'm not sure they can fill it. It, it. I don't It could be UConn or somebody down at the Gasparilla in Tampa or Liberty, something like that. I, I saw one projection had Coastal, which I don't think the Sunbelt has a tie to that bowl, but who knows?
3: Yeah. Right now. And here's another thing, guys. I said, what if we uh, what if the military, the military ball wants us really bad. So um, what if it comes down to a situation? What I'm hearing is you have uh, Cincinnati going to uh, basically would come down to Tulane. If they win, they go to New Year's six or if USCF. And then you have uh, the winner of that game is going to the Cotton Bowl and then the loser would be going to I heard Gasparilla I've heard Birmingham uh, I think
2: the pecking order Dave I believe the pecking order in the conference and I could be wrong on this I believe Birmingham and Military had the first two picks after um after the New Year 6 so I believe that's the case so you you I think I don't know I you know I don't know how against we are of going to the Military Bowl if if we've been that blatant about it, then I I I could see them taking UCF or Tulane, whoever loses, if or whoever Birmingham doesn't take. Um, I don't know. I, it sounds like we're really pushing for Tampa now in the Gasparilla Bowl, but it'll it'll be interesting how it plays out. Um, have you guys heard anything in, in more detail than that? I haven't.
3: No, just uh, we'd heard. You know, of course, it was. It seems like a lot of push for, uh, Fenway and early then on, yeah, early on. Um, I'm hearing what I've heard from different, you know, just reading the stuff and what people are saying is, um, including the administration is that Cincinnati is going to go to the Fenway bowl. Um, that military doesn't, uh, we won't, uh, the military bowl wants us. The administration doesn't want the military bowl.
2: Well, here's the one thing I would say, if it was a slam dunk and Cincinnati was going to the Fenway bowl and Birmingham or, or, um, military weren't interested in Cincinnati. That would have already happened. That's what happened last year with us. Birmingham released us, and we could go ahead and accept the military ball berth. So I wouldn't say Cincinnati's a lot for Fenway, or it would have already happened. Because well, let's, let's, well, yeah. let's say UCF beats Tulane and goes to the New Year's Six, and then um, Tulane goes to Birmingham. I could easily see Cincinnati in the military, which I think would then put us back in line to go to uh, Fenway. So uh, I still think is on the table, personally.
3: Yeah, I haven't heard you know against that, but we'll see how that... Um, I would like to, as Stevie talks about the military bowl, EC versus Wake Forest or Syracuse. Play
2: Syracuse. I, I don't want to play Wake Forest.
3: Well, Syracuse doesn't want to play... Uh, we know that... I don't know if you guys heard that yesterday. They don't want to play in Fenway because
1: it
2: conflicts with their exams.
3: Yeah, so they don't want to play that. So um, they're not going to be playing... Uh, Syracuse won't be playing in Fenway, so we know that. But they would um,
2: Well, well know military. Maybe, maybe not. Just because you don't want to do something, I not mean you, you won't. Um, uh, military, ECU, Syracuse, I could get fired up for that. Um, yeah, I'm honestly going to be fired up for any bowl matchup. No Fenway, Justin. Are you hearing that for sure? Or are you just is that just your your opinion? No Fenway, because I, I again, I I would I wouldn't say no Fenway until Cincinnati gets that official invite. Sorry.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure which way he's leaning on that. Which way he means no Fenway, but. Um, Myrtle Beach, uh we heard Marshall. Uh We've heard... That would be great. Yeah, I mean, the only thing though, uh, for me is we play them again in September. I mean, that's my only...
2: Uh, that's a chance for somebody to get revenge. Whoever Maybe. loses the game. It would have been different if we played them this year. But we didn't. We played them next year and we played them last year. That's always fun to play Marshall. I have no problem with that at all.
3: Justin says, he. Uh, just my opinion, the one bowl I can't attend. Got you. Well,
2: I'm hoping for Myrtle because it's the one game I can't attend. Um, but it'll it'll be what it'll be. Uh, whatever bowl game we go to, I'll be fired up.
3: He'd love to get a Fenway, just not this year. And then Stevie said one thousand percent military bowl, um, zero chance of Fenway. Stevie who? Stevie Johnson.
2: Oh, uh, we don't we don't we don't listen to Stevie Johnson. Okay, we we ignore his comments. Uh, so please continue to ignore his comments for the rest of the show. Okay. Now, if it was Stevie Fly, on the other hand, that'd be cool. Stevie Fly, um, cool Stevie Fly's a great dude. But uh, it, it, it'll we'll, we'll go wherever they send us. Bottom line, and and if that ends up being Annapolis in the military bowl, then uh, that's where we'll go and play Syracuse or Louisville or whoever the hell's in the bowl. Um, so
3: that's uh, in fact, Justin saying what he's hearing is between military Myrtle or um, Boca.
2: Yeah, I, I had not heard Boca much here recently, Justin. I've heard a lot more Gasparilla in Tampa. Uh, but the Boca Bowl was something that I was hearing more earlier, um, and that would be against the Sun Belt or a Conference USA team. So uh, you could have that that coveted East Carolina Coastal Carolina matchup in Boca Raton, or uh, I don't know uh, what other you know what other matchups. Maybe Georgia Southern from Conference USA could be somebody like Western Kentucky. I don't want to play them with their passing game, um, but Boca I could see that being on the table.
3: No doubt about it. Well, you know, that's the one thing we can, I guess, debate that the next few days until we definitely know on um, Sunday afternoon and on ESPN, we'll find out uh, those polls. But it's going to be a lot of fun. I guess it's been fun this week, but it's nerve-wracking, too. It would be nice to see um, that uh, whatever. Does it really stress
2: you out that much? Are you really that worried about it? He's trying to make your travel plans? Yeah, yeah. Not
3: about – yeah, yeah. The travel plans is the – I know we we have we have a guy that we know in a group text that has booked like five or six rooms. <laughs> wow, <laughs> you know, I, so be,
2: cool. I hope you got good cancellation policies.
3: <laughs> so, well, you you were in that same group text too. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I've, I've been reading some of some of it. I hadn't been yeah distracting anyway, this time yeah. this week, but I uh, I you know it'll 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 be what it'll be. I mean, at the end of the day, we'll know this weekend, and you can either go, or you can't go, and I don't mean the literal you. I mean the you know the figurative you. Everyone. And uh, if it works out where you can go, great. If it works out where you can't, you can't. I mean, uh, you know, I, not everybody can go to Boston. Not everybody can go to Boca. Some can go to one, some can go to the other. The dates matter. It's just it's going to depend. And Birmingham keeps not coming up. And I, I I would think Birmingham's still on the table, probably. You know. <laughs> Independence Bowl's another one. I mean, there's the American has so many dog on bowl ties, and half of them aren't even mentioned. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's that's right. So... Um, hey, I'm just happy that we're having this conversation to be able to talk about a bowl. As we started the show almost five years ago, uh, just be just to be in a bowl was a delusional thought, right?
2: Unfortunately, yeah. When Scotty was here, yeah, it was yeah. uh only ball we ran was the toilet ball. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, it's definitely good to have back to back winning seasons and know we're hitting to the postseason going somewhere. And I just question now is just where.
3: Yeah. And the fact that we have almost, uh, we have a chance to have 15 wins in two seasons, Kyle.
2: Yeah. No, sure. Absolutely. It should be 16. But unfortunately, Boston College backed out on us. Uh, Bubba, Dave, uh, championship games starting uh, tomorrow night. uh, Conference championships. You got the ACC, the SEC, the Big Ten, the Pac 12, Big 12, the MAC, Conference USA, the American. What what conference championship games are you guys looking forward to uh, watching the most? I have
3: to say that our our conference championship is my mo- my most favorite uh, Tulane, UCF. Uh, like we were talking about before, in two years we'll get to that in a little bit. That'll matter. Um, but the fact that uh, those two teams, uh, man, New York, New York, six on on the line, yeah. the Cotton Bowl, yeah, Cotton Bowl is still a big deal. Um, and the fact that could have been us, you know, if we had, yeah. uh, we're, we're closer had, closer than
2: the record indicates,
3: right? So. Uh, for me, I'm going to watch that bowl knowing that we were right there. We were, that could be us, and that could be us moving
2: forward. So, um, you got to gonna... root for the Green Wave because they're staying in the conference. To yep. me, it looks good for the American if Tulane wins. Uh, it, it's good headlines, you know, that that's cool that won the conference is still in the conference. So, hopefully, the Green Wave gets it done. Obviously, the ACC championship has some regional interest. Clemson versus North Carolina. North Carolina on a two-game losing streak. Clemson coming off of a loss to South Carolina. Figure they're going to be pissed off. Um, that's an interesting game. Uh, who do y'all like in that one?
3: I'm going Clemson. I, I think that I think if Clemson had won against South Carolina, then you know maybe um, North Carolina could you know sneak up on them. Um, But I really feel like that Clemson loses South Carolina. I I just, I feel like with Clemson's defense, um, I don't know. We'll see. I I think their Clemson's defense is going to shut down Drake May and company. We'll have to wait and see. I could be dead wrong.
2: Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. Um, I expect it to be a competitive ball game, but I think Clemson gets it done. Uh, They losing to South Carolina, they're going to at least salvage something this season. And to them, a salvageable season is at least winning the ACC championship with the standards they have in recent years. And, you know, who knows? Carolina might get it done and finally win the ACC. I hope not, but um, I'll be watching that one. Um, SEC championship lost a little bit of business luster with LSU losing. Now they can't make the playoffs, but they can shake things up by beating Georgia. And, guys, what in the world happens if if, if Purdue beats Michigan? I mean, 8-4 uh, and four Purdue, if they were to beat Michigan, that would kind of throw a monkey wrench into everything.
3: Well, there's a lot of people thinking that it's a 12 0 team. That, unless here's, I think what it comes down to the discussion this week has been if if Purdue blows them out, then you'll see a change. If it's a tight game and Purdue beats Michigan, Michigan will still make the playoffs. Yeah,
2: you're probably right. It'll probably be the fourth seed, but still. Right. So, yeah, it's, the seeding will change. You know. Yeah, TCU, Kansas State's the big one. Can TCU finish it off? Can USC finish it off? I mean, it really could be a really clean playoff with four different conferences represented, or if a couple of upsets happen, we could have a hot mess and Alabama gets back into the discussion.
3: Yeah. I kind of like this year with uh, having TCU and, and it feels weird to say USC is kind of like an underdog. Um, But I feel like with, uh, I feel like with USC in there with uh, Lincoln Riley, um, that's pretty cool. You also have with uh, the TCU story has been Fantastic. Uh, for college football and not the same old school, same old, same old. And Michigan is uh, on the rise, and even though they're a brand name, and, you know, Georgia um, may may not win it this year. You never know. I think it's been so much parity, uh, and it will, we'll have to wait and see. But those particular games, what about you, Bubba? What do you think about the the championships, the conference championships?
0: I'm really looking forward to the game uh, between TCU and K-State. I think that will be a tremendous ball game. I, I do uh, – you know, a lot of folks – and I guess I can see why. You know, you know, it's, it's tough to win them all. They uh, played them competitively earlier. I think TCU was a 38-28 to 28 winner in that one, and but that one was in Manhattan. Uh, I think TCU will find a way to get it done. Uh, I know Iowa State – and had a down year compared to what they've been in recent seasons, but um, they were still competitive in most games. And what TCU did to them last weekend really surprised me, uh, winning sixty-two to fourteen. So I do think TCU will probably find a way to finish their uh, finish the business and and secure that playoff bid. And the USC Utah game, I think USC will bounce back. But that one's going to be a very interesting game. I need to check and see what the over-under is in that one after the two teams combined for 85 in the first game that Utah won,
2: 43-42. Yeah, and what do you go – oh, I was going to say, what if you do it for Sonny Dykes and you, and you and you win the national championship and you're one at TCU? You just go ahead and retire and say, to hell with this, I've done all I can do. Two to yeah, talk, about,
0: talk about a storybook season uh obviously but um the man uh you know, i believe i they... it
2: a career <laughs> <laughs> man
0: uh what a what a script there if that does happen
2: god and you know and, and it's the, he leaves the crosstown rival smu to go to tcu to do it which you know i kind of frowned upon him for doing that at the time and still kind of thought it was a crappy thing to do but uh you can't argue with the success he's had that's for sure
1: So. And, uh, somebody, you know, I'm,
0: really, I'm really looking forward to seeing the rematch in the American as well Um, after Tulane fell to UCF yeah. um, that, ga- that game was really probably not as close um, didn't have the opportunity to watch it but uh, what 38 31 and UCF led by as many as what three touchdowns or so but uh, yes. UCF, uh, really, uh, really pulling for the green wave in
2: that one yeah me too obviously you want the same saying in the American to win uh, I also thought it was interesting. I was uh, thinking about this earlier uh, with my talk to my Southern Miss buddy. Uh, Southern Miss beat Tulane. East Carolina beat UCF. Uh, so it's kind of funny that uh, just you know, to myself anyway, and, and to my buddy that's a USM fan, that our two schools uh, beat the two teams that the winner is going to be playing in the Cotton Bowl.
0: And speaking of USF. Um, USF, um, a lot had been made when Deion Sanders um, replacing Jeff Scott but then you know, also uh, you've heard that Jamie Chadwell's name had been mentioned heavily but also now, I'm sure you've seen this guys, uh, Jamie Chadwell's name is being mentioned heavily to replace Hugh Freeze at Liberty wow. and obviously, obviously Liberty has deep pockets so mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see what happens
2: I could see that happening. That that makes some sense to me. Um, I think him going to South Florida could work too, but I could really see Jamie Chadwell taking that Liberty job. Because, um, you know, he, because of the style of offense he runs, I don't know that he's going to get a Power 5 offer. Even though he does spread it out, it has a lot of triple option elements and that, for whatever reason, scares a lot of so-called Power 5 schools away. So uh, if he ever wants to move on from Coastal, he'll probably have to take a South Florida-type job or a or a Liberty-type job, which um, Liberty's going to be a problem uh going to the conference USA they're gonna dominate that league uh, I really think it's only going to be a matter of time before Liberty is going to put themselves in a position where the American or the Sun Belt is going to have to invite them
0: Dave you're still on mute
3: <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> I'm dealing with other stuff too at the same time but um, that with uh Conference USA, you were talking about Liberty and mm-hmm. Conference USA. Um, what about Liberty? Uh, do you guys think, Jamie, Chadwell? well, I know you were just talking about that.
2: Yeah, we were just talking about that. I, I, I think because of the money, even though it's not a step up in terms of conference, but in terms of money, yeah, I can see that happening. And I say again, I think Liberty and Conference USA is going to kind of force the hand of the American and the Sun Belt to invite them because I think they're going to dominate the league every year because um, they're going to get a good coach. They're not going to lose Hugh Freeze and then hire Bubba Brazil. They're going to, if you don't know who that is, look it up. Um, <laughs> they, uh, they're going to make a, they're going to make a hell of a hire. And uh, whether it's a, a, a Jamie Chadwell or maybe somebody out of coaching like, um. Hey, what about Deion Sanders? Yeah. I don't see Deion working out at, uh, at Liberty. Uh, <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> I uh, I can see old neon Deion in South Florida. I don't see that working out at Liberty, but you know, yeah. if they don't get Chadwell, I, I would expect them to go after maybe a Dan Mullen, uh, somebody of that ilk. Um, so they're going to make a good hire because, they're, like you said, they got deep pockets and they're very serious about athletics.
0: And for all of our viewers and listeners, uh, a lot of folks have seen this, um, but I was sharing it with one of our groups earlier today. The video of Dion on the sideline—you it know, it was goes back to the whole Eddie Robertson Jr. press conference uh, interaction between the two Uh <laughs> Dion Sanders uh, had been told by eddie robinson jr that that he wasn't Swack. and of course Dion was not gonna not respond to that so he had a hoodie made an under armor hoodie uh, that says uh who ain't swack and then on the back it says i am swack and it got turned into a song and they played at the jackson state games is it's tremendous and watching watching Dion dancing on the sideline and the crowd uh, you know, getting, getting hype, crunk, whatever you want to say to it.
2: Go ahead, Bubba. Speak that lingo. Um, yeah. I uh, I I, <laughs> I I knew I knew y'all would like that. Hype and no, there's not when I think of Bubba, I think of hype and crunk. Um,
0: yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, I um, <laughs> uh, well, he's gonna have to look. See if he can look. He is swag. Well, let's see. Let's see if he's swag. If he stays at Jackson State after all these offers, then you'll have to say, yeah, he's swag. Um. Because uh, he's got some opportunities out there, and of course, Dion ain't hurting for money. But uh, everybody likes more, so it'll be interesting to see what he does. He can be the head coach of Jackson State forever if he wants to. That—that's the interesting thing. Um, it is permanent job security. Okay.
0: Dave, are you swag. Dave's decided to stay on mute.
2: Okay. All right. Cool. Dave, just stay on mute. That's the shit. <laughs> oh, wow.
3: Dave, how saying, whack
2: are you? I'm not. How <laughs> whack No. Like, okay. no
3: uh, I was saying about Cincinnati another job that I've heard it's been rumored that. Hey, I've uh, heard
2: Jamie Chadwell's name come up for that, too.
3: For that? I was yeah. Also like, uh, Deion Sanders.
2: Ah, that ain't going to happen. Um, but I, yeah, I've, I've heard that, too. But I heard Chadwell's name come up for Cincinnati. I don't know what Cincinnati's going to do. You know, they might hire somebody on staff. I, I'm not sure that's an interesting situation They're They're going to the big 12. Um, They got a lot of momentum. It's a good job, but you're taking over for a guy who's kind of become a legend there. Um, And now he's moving on to Wisconsin. So uh, I don't don't know what sense he's going to do. I really don't care that much because they're leaving the American, but it'll be interesting to see who they hire. Um, You know, I don't, I, 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 I could suggest some names, but it would be pointless. So it'll, It'll be interesting to see who they
3: are. No doubt. We don't really care
2: because they're going to the Big 12. Yeah, and by the way, guys, tomorrow, um, if you happen to be off work for whatever reason, you need something to do mid-afternoon, uh, 1 o'clock on ESPN Plus. Uh, Buffalo's playing Akron um, in a college football game. Buffalo's trying to get bowl eligible. Uh, that game had to be rescheduled because there was a blizzard uh, in Buffalo a couple weeks ago. And uh, I'm not sure why they are playing it on 1 o'clock on a Friday. My guess is... I don't. Is the MAC championship game tomorrow night or is it Saturday? If it's tomorrow night, then I would assume it would be by conference bylaws. Maybe all conference games have to be played before the championship. But if that championship game is until Saturday, I have no idea why they're playing that game at one o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Now
0: that you see that, <laughs> the, the game like... is tomorrow night, yeah. Okay, Well, then that makes perfect. So, so sense that that explains why the that game's being played at at 1 in the afternoon, and um, you also, in addition to the MAC game, you have
2: the Pac-12. Yeah, the Pac-12 championship game tomorrow night, USC and Utah. So uh, that'll be a good one, too. Um, it's fun. Championship weekend's always fun. There's only a handful of games, but they all mean something. So uh, it's always a fun weekend to me.
3: And it's going to be – once we get to the playoff, it's going to mean even more. You want to
2: talk about – Oh, yeah. And when you go to the 12-team playoff, yeah, because – you're going to have, like, you know, all eyes would be on the American championship game tomorrow if we were already in the playoff era, if it was already 2024. Because, that you know, Tulane-UCF, the winner, would be going to the playoffs. So um, that's, uh, that's a great development for the group of five, um, which apparently that term's going away, thank God. And uh, the 12-team playoff, I think, is a – you know, I think we still have a disadvantage because of – uh Nil with some of the so-called power five schools, just gonna have an advantage there. But I do think with the twelve expanded with the with the playoff expanding to twelve and um, the six ties ready conference champions getting in, which guarantees a so-called group of five gets in every year. I think it's a great equalizer. as we talked about it with Haymeyer, I don't know if it was on the air or off the air. It's hard to remember now, but East Carolina, you know when let's say we're recruiting against NC State, we can legitimately say, we have a better shot of winning the American than NC state does of winning the ACC. And if we win the American, it's going to give us a chance to go to the conference to uh, go to the playoffs. We can legitimately say that now. So it'll be interesting to see how, how much of an impact that has with recruiting and with the transfer portal.
3: Yeah. I would like to see that because, uh and again, I know we're talking about that very things. uh How do we uh, <clears throat> with, uh I mean, we're talking about the Sunbelt. You look at a lot of great teams in the Sunbelt. You could go to, um, you know, whatever league you go to with American, uh, we're going to be right up there at the top every year. And including, um, by the way, congratulations to Willie Fritz staying at Tulane. I think that's a great, uh, great thing for them. And they're going to be a dominant factor, you would think, in the American. Yeah,
2: I think it'll be East Carolina, Tulane, SMU, Memphis, uh, U- UTSA. Um, you know, I-, I think South Florida, Florida Atlantic, one of the two will rise up uh great hire by florida atlantic hiring tom herman today Uh, yeah they're they're joining our conference um so tom Herman's a proven winner at houston uh he did okay at texas didn't didn't live up to the expectations they had but he's a good coach and uh i think he'll do well at florida atlantic i really thought they were going to go after um oh god help me out guys uh oc at uh, arkansas um Oh,
3: Browles. Kendall Briles.
2: Yeah, Kendall Briles. I really thought they were going to have to Kendall Briles because Kendall was the OC there under Lane Kiffin at Ford Atlantic a few years ago. And um, Kendall's been a hot name coming up for jobs over the years. And I think maybe that last name of Briles hurts him more than it helps him. That's, yeah. that's what I was going to
3: ask you guys. Is that going to – would he have to change his name?
2: <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a shame. Um, I'd I. I uh, at some point, he'll get the opportunity to be a head coach. Uh, I, I really thought it would be at Florida Atlantic, but you can't argue with their hire. Uh, Tom Herman's a good hire. Yeah, unlike UAB, we, we're going to talk about, listen, what in the hell is UAB doing? Uh, I, 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 That might be the stupid top. Bubba, what are your thoughts on UAB's hire?
0: My thoughts uh, initially were, you know, it's a total 180 of what they did with Bill Clark, you know, who got them to where they are, where They were you know, winning and you're know, playing for CUSA titles on a consistent basis. Uh, after the death of that program, and uh, he came back. And you know, prior to the death of the program, you know they had what an eight win season, Kyle.
2: It was yeah. something like that. Yeah, seven or eight big...
0: wins. Seven or eight yeah. wins, and the they don't play football for a couple of years, and they come back and uh, do what they've done. Just remarkable. Uh, with with no more support. I uh, know they've had some decent financial support. But uh, as far as attendance at games, um, certainly not, not particularly good. And to do what Bill Clark has done uh, was very impressive. It's a shame that he had to step down for health reasons. But um, Bill Clark was a proven head coach when they hired him, was my point, to him coming over from yep. Jacksonville State. Yep. And uh, now they're hiring a guy in Trent Dilfer, uh, obviously, uh, a big, a big name uh, from what he did as a player uh, at Fresno State, and then obviously winning a Super Bowl with the Ravens, and then he's he's done very well in the prep ranks, but uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's certainly a a very intriguing hire. Uh, for a different for a different reason than Biff Pogey. but uh, you take a look at now Tom Herman at FAU, yeah. um, Trent Dilfer at UAB, Biff Pogey at Charlotte. Um, a lot of storylines as far as coaches within the American.
2: You guess which one of those three I think is going to be most successful? Biff. <laughs> no, I'm going to go with Tom Herman. Um, I you basically and Biff has been on Michigan staff for for you know a couple of years now, but prior to that he was known as being a high school coach if I'm not mistaken. So, you, you got him and Trent Dilford. Trent Dilford's a great name, you know, NFL recognition, all that. But done nothing but coach at a private high school. Uh, never coached to college at all. Has, has been a head coach at a private high school.
0: Uh, Very intrigued to see what kind of staff he assembles.
2: No kid. I mean, I, I just don't – I don't know what UAB's thinking. when I heard they interviewed Skip Holtz and Tom Herman also. I, I was going to
3: say, Skip Holtz was the – I thought that we would see Skip Holtz back. In coaching and in college, and we would be—he would be coming here to Greenville.
2: Yeah, I, he's been up for the Charlotte job and the UAB job, and was both passed up, was passed over by both for what I think is really strange hires. I just, I don't understand it. I, if East Carolina would have done would do something like that, I would lose my mind. Um, I, I don't get it. I, I, are they trying the Dion Sanders thing? This work at Jacksonville State, think or Jackson State rather. Thinking that a big name will come in with NFL recognition and just get all the recruits, I just I don't know. I don't know what UAB's thinking.
3: That's the only thing I could think of, Kyle. Is that he's the face of the program, and then if he can get the like we were discussing earlier off air, is if he can get the really good coaches, the assistant coaches, then that knows how to recruit, maybe. Um, but he, uh, it's, t- it's such a gamble. Like you guys were talking about with having Bill Clark. I mean, the stability.
2: Yeah, and, and keep in mind, again, for anybody that no Bill Clark was not fired. He, he left because of health reasons. How how did their inter? I thought their interim coach – they're bowl eligible, aren't they?
3: I think so, not 100%. I believe not.
2: they were – were they 7-5, and five, Bubba?
0: I have to look it up. I want to say they were maybe 6-6. Six and six. I think they had to maybe win their finale to become bowl
2: eligible. Okay. But, you know, even so, I'm still a little bit surprised if, if the interim coach got him bowl eligible that he wasn't more of a serious candidate.
3: Yeah, they are. They're, they're six and six, Kyle.
2: Okay. So the interim coach takes them to a bowl and doesn't get the job. Um, so I don't know. I, it's to me, like I said, that's their problem. Um, but you, you would hope teams coming in the league would be on the rise. And I think that's what they're trying to do. I, I just, I think they made a wrong turn. And maybe Trent Dilfer to work out for them. But I, it doesn't make sense to me on paper.
3: So if Mike Houston leaves, then we
2: have to get a former quarterback in the NFL? Mm, right, no, no, please. Let's, let's get an experienced coach that's been successful. Uh, preferably hit coach experience, if not a seasoned coordinator. And, uh, you know, that's the route I think we should take.
3: So they, they have to own the resume, has to be Super Bowl champion. Uh, only be-
2: if you're a Super Bowl champion coach.
3: Okay. Yeah. Uh, not right. a player play player, don't hate the game. Uh, hey, uh, in fact, Johnny Robertson brings up a great point, and he's the best. Jr. is the best. He says the UAB has been to a bowl seven years in a row.
2: Yeah, I, you know, again, I, I would have probably just made the interim coach permanent just to keep the stability. Because to be honest with you, Bill Clark's health problems were back related, it's not like he has cancer, it's not like he has some disease. It's back problems. And I know back problems can be excruciating. But you figure at some point he's going to come back to the game. So, uh, you know, I don't know if I would have stepped that far away from him.
3: Yeah. Do you think that they are trying to move on from him?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think that's exactly what what they're trying to do. Yeah. I think they're trying to create a new identity. Uh, Probably um, the AD who's there now did not hire him. And um, that's probably why the interim coach didn't get the position. Because, to me, you, you, taking over an interim situation, no matter how much talent you have coming back, it's a hard job. Um, I, I think at Ohio, um, I believe last year, um, what's his name? The guy that was at Nebraska. Um, Scott Frost? No, no, no. The, the guy that was at Ohio for years. We beat him in the in the St. Pete Bowl. He was at Nebraska before that. Bubba, help me out. I'm dying here. Oh,
3: 2013 when we went. Oh, yeah.
2: Well, the former Nebraska head coach, he was the head coach at Ohio for years. So if somebody will type on the screen in a minute his name. I cannot think of his name right now. Uh, he retired last year during the summer, and their interim coach had a bad year. And this year, second year there, they win their division of the of the MAC. So my point is, yeah, he inherited a lot of talent, but it's a tough situation as an interim coach. And to get them to bowl eligibility, I believe I would have just kept him as head coach because to me that's an accomplishment to stabilize the program in an interim situation to take them to bowl eligibility.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, literally you have the, uh, and what do you have to lose? You, you're already bowl eligible. You see what he could do. And then if it tanks in a year or two, you you're. yeah, you just
2: give them a a three-year contract, David. don't even do five years if you're not 100%. But I, uh, I believe I would have went that route because it's been a very stable program.
3: No doubt. And who knows, maybe, Maybe if you had the right coach, uh, then, you know, you could make some noise early on at, um, in the American. But we'll have to wait and see. That's a – that – Trent Dilfer, uh, did you guys
2: – it was kind of like a – Dave, breaking news, Frank Solich is the name I couldn't think of. Frank Solich.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Um, but the fact – how about the fact that with Dilfer, did you see that one coming? It was like a tornado. I didn't
2: see it. That was no. Nah, I don't know who would have saw it coming unless you're inside the UAB program. Um, I, I had no idea that Trent Dilfer was even a candidate for the UAB job. Um, hadn't heard his name mentioned for any other jobs. So I don't. I don't know. Maybe there's something we don't know. But it, like I say, I we, we, you know it doesn't make any sense. But it's not our problem. It's their problem. He, he may do great there. Who knows? Yeah. I
0: talk...
3: Sorry. Go ahead, Dave. No, I was just going to add just the sort of fact that with American coaches, it'll be interesting to see uh, with Dion. I, I think um, Dion can do. We we're talking about U.S. I think
1: Dion is standing, standing Jackson,
2: standing Jackson State, personally. You do? Yeah. I do. He said. He, I read somewhere today he was going to make his announcement Saturday, which tells me he's standing Jackson State.
3: Okay. So, so this was just for a. This is just hype. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you know Deion wouldn't do nothing but just hype, Dave. Deion Sanders. <laughs> wow. Bubba, what were you going to say?
0: Oh, just speaking of different hires, uh, one that was made last year that has panned out very well. Everyone that knows very much about college football knows how poor New York
2: is. Bubba's cutting out, but what he was going to talk about is New Mexico State. And uh, they're hiring of Jerry Keel in the offseason. Uh, and Jerry Keel was, of course, former head coach at Northern Illinois and uh, Minnesota. Got out of the game because of health reasons. Kind of came back into the game as an assistant coach. And Jerry Keel has taken uh, New Mexico State to a 5-6 and six record. They had a game canceled against San Jose State because of wildfires back in October. And um, they're going to make that up this weekend against Valparaiso. And if they win, they'll be 6-6. Six and six. They'll have two FCS wins, but they have filed an appeal to the NCAA for ball eligibility. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I don't think App has done that. I think App has called it the year. But uh, there is a couple of open slots that five and seven teams may have to fill for ball games. So uh, if New Mexico State be- beats Valpo, uh, they may get that waiver cleared and get to go to a bowl with two FCS wins at six and six. And great accomplishment for um, – Doug Martin took them to a bowl game one year, and they won it to the Arizona Ball over Utah State. They won seven games. And that was their best. Season in like fifty years, so if Jerry Kill can get them to six and six in his first year there, that's incredible. No doubt well, about it. At least that's what I think. Bubba was talking about before his mic cut out.
3: Do you guys have anything before we wrap this thing up?
2: Nah, I've got nothing. Looking forward to the championship games this weekend. I hope we beat Campbell tomorrow night, and anxiously waiting. I guess we'll have our bowl. Are we are we going to? We're going to do a bowl special Sunday night to talk about the matchup or, or, or what's going on, fellas?
0: And if we do happen to find out um, prior to Sunday night, if we do get word uh, where the Pirates will be headed you know, following the championship game between Tulane and UCF, um, then we'll uh, definitely go live and talk about it then as well as probably have a more in-depth show on, on Sunday.
3: So keep it right here for all the latest and bowls with a uh, basketball lot going on. And certainly baseball season tickets are going to be on sale soon around the corner. As we told you, uh, the bas- the baseball banquet already sold out. So uh, you're not going to be able to go to that unless you know someone, as they say. All right. Uh, appreciate Chris Haymeyer. Well, good luck to the Pirates to run on the hardwood as they take on the Camel Camels. And that'll be tomorrow night at seven o'clock. Appreciate you, Kyle, buddy. Appreciate you. We've been thinking a lot about you. Hope you feel better.
2: Uh, This week sucked, Dave. Sucked big time, but at least I felt good enough tonight to do the show. I'm glad you did. It's
3: not the same without you. Bubba Rosenbaum, appreciate you, man. And uh, Matt had to work tonight, so he couldn't be with us, but uh, appreciate him, too. All right, we'll get out of here. Until next time, you've been watching the Pirate Preview right here on the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody, and go Pirates.
0: Stand up, get your hands up, let our team know that we got their back.
3: This is our house, this is our town, our top, everyone, I copy that. Everybody gonna see us go bananas, speed live, baby, don't hold back. Every foot, every yard, every first down, every touchdown
1: with the cannons blast. Get it on, get it all, get the wave going, let like the hurricane y'all make us.